Welcome to Grace to All. I'm your host, Paul Gray. You've probably used the word grace, sang Amazing Grace, or said grace at a meal. But did you know that God's grace is way better than we can even imagine, and that you and all people already have an abundant supply of God's unlimited amazing grace? Today, we're going to hear the truth about God's amazing grace to all people. So, sit back, relax, and prepare to be inspired and awakened to the amazing treasures that you already possess. This is truth that you can handle. Welcome, everybody, to our third episode in a row of visiting with my friend Wes Tarpley. Again, no introduction needed because you've heard that in the last two. But, Wes, thanks so much for being back with us. You bet. It's an honor, brother. For me, too. Wes, in his bio that he gave me, is uh, 66 years old, which means he's, in my economy, he's, he's just a kid. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> but at 74 years old, I'm certainly anything but retired, but my schedule has slowed down a little bit and I'm not quite as driven as I was before, but I'm having more fun and I'm more excited about what I'm doing now than, than I ever did before. And I had some exciting times in my life as I know Wes did too. I also know that people our age, give or take probably a few years on either side, when they reach this stage in our life. Some people, well, I think of the scripture, uh, without vision, uh, my people perish. I think of the fact that some people can seem without hope, uh, wondering, am I being useful anymore? You know, what good am I? What do I have to look forward to? And gosh, Wes, the excitement that I see and hear in your voice and your face and your ideas and what you're doing, it sounds to me like a 22-year-old kid that has just graduated from some college in Texas that uh, may or may not be equal to the Big 12. No, uh, nothing there, but... Uh, but but at any rate, you're more excited than almost anybody I run into in my life anywhere at 66 years old. So tell us about that. What is that? Have you always been like this? What's going on with you right now? Part of it is how God created me. Absolutely. My father's like that. My dad, Billy, is that there are no strangers to him. And yet, as much as I am an extrovert, I have a side of me that is that much of an introvert. So, Paul, I love being around people. I love being by myself. The thousands and thousands of miles, almost 130,000 miles now I've ridden my motorcycles, 99.9% of that, I'm by myself. And that's where I get a lot of wonderful Selah, be still, and no moments. But I think what gave this fuel was a book that I read about 35 years ago by Brother Lawrence, called The Practice of the Presence of God. And here I was, I had been a food and beverage manager of a country club. We did French service. I'm the guy in a tuxedo serving a $600 bottle of wine. And that's a $600 bottle of wine in 1979. That's about $3,000 today. And cooking table side, hypersensitive to smell. So when you cook a steak Diane or a Caesar salad or bananas foster, I know just what it should smell like. That's when it's done and have the flair and the joy, but the professionalism of doing it right. To be trained, to never have to be asked for you to supply water or coffee 
or to change the cigarettes back when you could smoke cigarettes or cigars back in there. I got fired from all of that because of cocaine, as I mentioned earlier. I lost everything. So here I am now making minimum wage, which I think was five something an hour, four something an hour back in the mid 80s. And here I am cleaning up. It was called make ready. And make ready means I was the last person to be in the home. And before that, I actually had my own cleaning business. It was called the whisk broom. Don't sweep the dust under the carpet. Let us whisk it away. And I did that for almost a year until I went into the construction. So here I am at a construction site for months. And I'm the one cleaning those bathrooms and those toilets. And yet I went, wow, this is nasty. And I went, wait, active worship. I will clean toilets to the glory of God. And as this developed, I became a painter. But before you get to painting, you have to finish up with caulking. And with that tube of caulk, you get up there. And I was, they showed me how to do it. And I, I worked my tail off all day long. And I got the caulking done. The boss comes in at the end of the day. And he's looking at it kind of like this. Hmm, okay, Wes, that's, that's not going to work. Because once you paint over that, you're going to see all those little ripples and stuff. So I said, okay, I get to redo this. So I get home and I'm reading Brother Lawrence's book, The Man is great Catholic priest of the Dark Ages. He wanted to change the world by being a great priest. Where does he get stuck? In the kitchen, kitchen duty, washing pots and pans, cooking. And he says, wait, I will worship God. Because he read where it said in, I think it's Zechariah, on the tassel of a horse, whether you're a farmer or a warrior, and on the pots and pans, holy unto the Lord. And Paul, I got hold of that. And so I got there the next day and I looked up and said, okay, Lord, you're a carpenter. You're a creator. You're an architect. Obviously, you can caulk. You shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. <laughs> Off I went. Caulked all day long. Boss comes in the next that night. He was a believer. And that's when I got a hold of it didn't matter what I did, it was worship. And you know what? In worship, there's times when you're flat on your face, as we talked last time. There's other times you're dancing and spinning like Zephaniah 317, where God dances around us and spins around us with joy. So if the heavenly father, the creator, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, face to face, are spinning and dancing in joy with whatever they do, and they live in me, then so can I. Whether it's caulking or selling a car or being a teacher in the classroom. And then everything, Paul, to me, was an expression of the gospel. And so I went, my gosh, the sky's the limit. And I'm sitting thinking the sky's the limit. And the Lord says, yeah, consider the sun. So I'm like Job considering the sun. So we're in Big Ben area, Alpine. It's called McDonald's Observatory near Fort Davis. It's literally the second or third greatest and best observatory in the world run by University of Texas. And I'm a Texas tech boy, so I'll say way to go horns. And they're doing a whole thing on the sun. And I'm watching this and they're showing, here's the sun and it's showing all the magnetism going out and what will happen with the spots and how they can, the, the power, the absolute power. And they're talking about the heat of the sun and the, the surface of the sun is almost 10,000 degrees Fahrenheit. It's like 9,976 degrees Fahrenheit. And I'm sitting there going, that's really hot. <laughs> you know, 113 degree ride, which the hottest ride I've ever done on my motorcycle in Big Ben, it about, it about took me out. It was too much. And I learned how to 
wear longer sleeves so you don't get dehydrated and drink plenty of water and take a banana and potassium things with you. But I'm like, man, 130 degrees, you know, Death Valley. Surface of the moon is three or 400 degrees. Surface of the sun, 10,000. But then they started showing the center of the sun. And the center of the sun was 28 million degrees. And I heard the Lord say, launch out into the deep. At 10,000 degrees, my church is in the shallows. But in the center, it's all in fusion. Fission is the atom bomb. Fusion was the, the hydrogen bomb, which was so much more powerful. Or where you get nuclear power, whether it's for ships or for electricity, like France, I think there's 90% of their power through a nuclear. But when it's the coming together, the unity of coming together, that's where all of the other elements are created. And it says, Lord, wait, as we in unity come together in love, what happens? All of the elements are created and everything becomes elementary, my dear watching. Whatever we do, we're a sleuth in God's kingdom. And then what happens on the far right side of the element table are what are called the inert gases or the noble gases. And the reason they're inert or noble is because all of their shells are filled all the way with electrons. And I went, Lord, the power, the electricity of being filled to the full in your grace upon grace, which means we then don't interact with darkness because we are light. And I went, there's the gospel right there. There's the gospel right there. It, it's everywhere. And so when we have eyes to see, I think the Puritan said, preach the gospel all times. Sometimes use words. <laughs> and so you're realizing it's everywhere. And then when I'm talking to a, a, a brother or sister of mine who hasn't had that epiphany yet, and that might be Muslim or that might be Buddhist, like my nephew's Buddhist. And uh, he'll start talking about the cravings and everything like that. And he's got to squish the cravings and do all of that. I says, well, how's the cravings working for you? Ooh, it's not working so good. <laughs> so I go, well, how about this? As opposed to trying to squish the cravings, what if those cravings was actually Christ in you? And where he says, taste and see that the Lord is good. He is your meat, which is to do the will of the Father. He is your drink, which is your joy and ecstasy. He is the breath of Christ, the breath of the Holy Spirit. He is bread. He, where does it end? He, he's everything. And he's like, hmm. And I've learned to sometimes be quiet. <laughs> Let the people ponder that and ponder that. And so whatever we do, whatever we do, it's the gospel. And when I was reading about Newton and the, and the laws of thermodynamics. I think it's the second law, of second or third law of thermodynamics. I forget which one it is, but it talks about in a closed system, everything tends towards chaos, decay, and entropy. And I went, oh my gosh, there it is again too. When we close ourselves in, chaos and entropy. But when we're open to the reality of Christ, nothing stops us. And so that really is a fuel behind my excitement to whether it's my wife, like is an engineer of 37 years or being a school teacher or riding a motorcycle or our adopted son, Luke's originally from Jamaica. And so we hold Grace and Gabby in our arms. He kids with us. He calls us 
his melanoninly challenged parents. <laughs> yeah, I said melanoninly challenged. I like that. And Karen said he's our son with the tan, and he's an engineer, so she, he and she can talk at levels beyond me. You know, in the engineering aspect of it, where calculus just ate my lunch. You know, what I would love to have seen is I had no vital relationship with Christ back then, because if I did, calculus would have come alive. And that happened to me in the classroom in Algebra 1, Paul, to where here I am, the Algebra 1 co-teacher, helping those students with learning disabilities. And I'm like one step ahead of the students. So I'm like, I haven't done math in 30 years. So I remember laying hands on the sick that they shall recover my mind with algebra, which was just like this is darkness. And I did that for three weeks. I laid hands on the paper and I prayed, Lord Jesus, I have the mind of Christ. I could do this. Lord, you are the creator. You're the carpenter. You're the builder. You obviously understand math. And Paul, I'm not kidding. I was working on the sheet and I looked down and it's like I just took the red pill from the matrix. It was like, and I went, oh my gosh, it made perfect sense. And that year, my nickname became the math guru. I was able to help students. And my daughter, Allie, said, Daddy, you explain it like a kid. And I went, oh, I took that as a compliment. Because so often, Jesus met them where they were at with parables of farming. <laughs> That's where they were. And so I was able to whoop, bring it down and then raise them up. And so whether it was teaching algebra or writing a poem or it's that's the joy because it really is Christ is all in all. So we're, we're getting to discover he is not only in all, but through all, but all in all, we're getting to discover the through all and the in all and the all in all between you and me, my wife and I, who you just met, my grandchildren and anyone out there that we have the privilege of meeting. It's like Malcolm goes into great depth about Mephibosheth and he was the son of Jonathan whose legs were crippled when they were coming to kill him. And he was hiding away for all of those decades. And David said, is there any of Saul's, of any of Jonathan's descendants? And he goes to get him. And Mephibosheth lived in Lodabar, which means no pasture or no word. Just imagine. And Jesus says, I'm going to bring you to green pastures because I am your word. I am the seed that brings life. And Mephibosheth, this crippled man, comes up and he's sitting there. And David says, put him at the table. How many of our brothers and sisters from Mephibosheth after feeling crippled in their heart and their nature and their heartache and they're broken without realizing they're supposed to be seated at the table in the presence of the Lord. And the enemy is near going, you can't, you can't. And we're like, yeah, we can, yeah, we can. So that's the exuberance I think that I get to experience every day. And it's, it's pretty cool. Well, it is. And it's contagious. <laughs> it certainly is. Wow. Wes, you mentioned to me earlier this week that you've had the opportunity to do some weddings and some funerals, and maybe non-traditional would be the word that comes to my mind. Tell us what you do there. Now, the people that I've done the weddings with, I know, or the funeral I know. As a matter of fact, I did a funeral at one of the largest cemeteries here in Houston, and after it was over, the funeral director came to me, and he says, can I get your card? I need people to do this. And I didn't feel led to give it to him. It was interesting. I was like, how do I have this for something that I don't know the person? And then I, as I'm pondering it coming home, I'm like, yeah, but that person's gone. So I might, and I didn't have a card printed up anyway, go back and say, here, if I can help, let me know because it's for the people that are there. So what I've done is I interviewed the people and I asked what their likes are, what their joys are. 
what their favorite foods are, what their favorite flowers are, what their trees are, what their colors are, what the part of nature they love the most are. And then I interview them about what they really love about each other. If you're getting married, what do you love about each other? What entices you? What captured your attention? And then if the person has died, I'm asking all of these per- things about the person from their children or their grandchildren about what reminded you of your, of your nanny. So if that, when, when Jean just died, what I then do is I look up what their names are, their first, their middle name, their last name, their maiden name. And I look up in the Hebrew and the Greek. What does that mean? I'm asking about what are some of your favorite memories? So I'm taking all of that. And I'm, when I just did the funeral, I write it then poetically. And it doesn't always have to rhyme, but it usually does. And I've learned that if I get to a word and I'm stuck, just go dot, 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 and keep going. Don't spin. I used to spin. Oh, I got to get a word. I got No, don't. Because sometimes you get so engrossed in it, your mind can't think of another word. And off I go. Then what I do, I said, what are some of your favorite scriptures? And they give me their favorite scriptures. And then I will go to maybe the passion or the message. So it's just a little bit different. Or the mirror Bible or friends, what just a little bit different. And if they have a favorite scripture that just really delves deeply into them, I will delve into what was really being said there in the Greek. For example, when I read to you last time, Revelation 4 and 5, poetically, that I had jumped into the words. And when it says, of one of the four creatures, it says the face of a man. When you look up the first and second roots of the Greek in the face of a man, it actually says the face of the husbandman who is looking at that, which is utterly spectacular. You're like, whoa. And so that you realize, whoa. So I'm looking at what those words are from their favorite scripture in the Greek, and I'm tying it in. And then when I use their scriptures, I tie it in. And so also, when you take some of those wonderful scriptures where it says, wives, submit your husbands in all things, right? And this I got from Malcolm. He says, in the Greek, there were no punctuations. So it could just as easily have said, as opposed to wives, submit your things in all things. It could say, in all things, husbands, love your wife as Christ loved his church. So what I've done when I've talked about this submission within marriage is read the verses right before that that says, submit, therefore, one to another. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) And then it's not this hierarchy. It's a picture of the husband being the picture, so to speak. In the enactment of Christ Jesus himself and the lady in scripture who is called the helpmate, living the Holy Spirit called the helper. Whoa. So the, the, the woman herself is the Holy Spirit. And whoa, everything that Jesus did was through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's marriage, one flesh. So that's how I approach a wedding and a funeral. The celebration of the two becoming one. Just as the Father, yeah. Holy Spirit are one, the husband and wife become in one. And I said, and it's very, very good. And so yeah. the marriage part I kind of paint then at the very beginning is they think I'm talking about Adam and Eve, where he's looking, he's looking, he's looking, he's looking, he's looking, he's looking. And all of a sudden you realize, no, I'm actually talking about the wedding I'm talking about it. And it's not Eve that he's seen, but it's his bride. So you kind of let him go, oh wow. So that's how I do weddings and funerals. <laughs> and then you're able to give that piece that you've written to the bride and groom or to the family. of The hard copy, so to speak. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, what a wonderful way to uh, celebrate 
both of those events. And we're almost out of time here. I'm just uh, the things we've talked about for these three podcasts are just so exciting to me. And I see this just as a beginning of us doing things together and of what you're embarking on with Poetic Justice Outreach to people in small communities that you go to, to people online all over the world. The tipping point is like that teeter-totter we talked about, and and it's almost like the weight of God is on one side and it's just throwing up into the air whoever's on the other side, uh, launching us into uh, pure ecstasy and joy and things that are beyond words, uh, really. So what an exciting time this is. It is indeed. Yeah. Well, as we finish up, tell people once more how they can contact with you. And then hopefully uh, sometime down the line in the future, we'll do some things together and uh, some probably some more podcasts and hopefully other things too. So Wes, tell people how they can connect with you. Well, on Facebook right now is the main engine that I'm using and it's Wesley Tarpley. Look up Wesley Tarpley. You'll see a picture of me embracing my beautiful wife with a family picture right behind me. And poeticjusticeoutreach.com is coming down the pike. Coming down the pike, uh, our, our adopted son is the one who's getting that up and going to a, where we will be able to integrate all of this together, whether it's YouTube or TikTok or Instagram or whatever. That's where I will be when I'm not with you. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Well, we look forward to that. And uh, uh, for those of you who are listening, uh, whenever you're listening to this, by the time you listen to it, uh, Poetic Justice Outreach will most likely be up and uh, we may be doing some things together too and maybe doing them in your area. And if not in your physical area, certainly uh, online together. So Wes, thanks again so much for this. Thank you all for uh, watching and listening to another edition of Grace to All with Paul Gray. See you all next time. Thank you for listening to Grace to All. For more about us, how we can serve you, and our special guest, please visit www.gracewithpaulgray.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and to join our Facebook group, Grace to All, where you'll be inspired and awakened to more truth that you can handle.